Yeah. All right, this should be working. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Brain Food Live on Air, bringing it to you every Friday, folks. Even, uh, even after heavy week of partying, I have to say, um, I don't think I've drank this much um, for a very long time, and I'm feeling. Feeling, feeling a little bit worse for wear, I have to say. Um, so I've got my coffee in hand, and I want to pile through this amazing conversation we're about to have. Um, thank you all for joining us today. Um, it is episode 183, um, and it is a topic that I think is kind of unfortunate, but really important. Um, all of us, I think, have been aware, uh, particularly those of us who work in tech, um, have been aware of layoffs, of downturn, of talk of recession, um, and of course of recruiters uh, being in on amongst that number of be of people uh, being made redundant. Um, I don't think any of us um, are. Uh, uh, I think most of us know, should I say, uh, someone who has been affected in recent days. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of discuss with everybody is we've seen a lot of practical support uh, for recruiters that have been on the market, uh, which has been fantastic. Um, uh, but we have very little in the way of psychological support, it seems to me. Um, and it, I think this is like completely under addressed. Um, I'm someone who's never been made redundant, um, so I'm very fortunate in that respect. Um, but I can imagine an involuntary redundancy to be quite a difficult emotional thing to go through. Um, and I reckon we could do well by talking about it. Um, and today, that is the topic of discussion. Uh, what is the psychology of recruiter redundancy? What do we need to know? What are the emotions we can expect to feel? Um, how long might those emotions sit with us? How do we accelerate through it? Um, what are the techniques, the practical techniques that we can employ um, to uh, make sure that we kind of end one chapter of our professional lives in a way that gives us the foundation uh, to be positive in the next step. So that is the conversation today. Um, I thank you all for joining us uh, and having that uh, that, that chat. Anyway, uh, let's firstly um, uh, confirm, you can hear me okay. Um, so folks, um, everyone on Crowdcast, if you can hear me and see me okay on video, you can hear by audio, let me know in the chat stream whether that is okay. We should be blasting this out in multiple places, including my LinkedIn. Um, so if you can see me on LinkedIn, why don't you say so on the chat stream? Um, let me know actually on the comment thread whether that audio is okay as well. We should be out on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, so this is going to keep on going uh, for as long as Elon Musk keeps uh, uh, keeps the, uh, the, the video uh, feed uh, live on Twitter. Okay, we can hear people fine. I think Crowdcast is the... Uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, at least is the one which I trust the most. Everyone's going to hear me. Okay. Okay, cool. Let's get on with the show. Um, we always want to thank our sponsors for this show, folks. Um, every single week, a company comes up and sponsors, uh, this webinar. Um, without that, we will not be able to do these shows, which we do every week consistently. Um, and so today I'm really happy uh, to uh, to uh, thank our, our sponsors, MetaView, one of my favorite companies, um, uh, which we've seen some really interesting, you know, building a really interesting category of interview intelligence. Um, and as is the new form, um, our way of doing the sponsor message now is actually to rope in um, a member of the team at the sponsor, and they're gonna give it to us direct. Uh, you don't need to hear it from me, folks. Uh, you're going to hear it from them. Um, so we actually have Cameron Goldie Scott. What a wonderfully named person that is. Um, if I ever wanted to, anybody to do business ops for me, I'd get I'd get someone with a name like this. Um, I'm inviting Cameron on screen. He's going to pop in in a moment, hopefully swagged up, and he's going to tell us all about MetaView. Um, so Cameron, if you can hear me okay, just accept that invite. And there he is. There is the man. Um, great to see you, Cameron, and great to see the swag on display as well. Can you hear me okay, Cameron? <laughs> yeah, I hear you perfectly. Great to be here, Hung. Thank you. 
fantastic stuff. I've been a fan of MetaView ever since I kind of met with Sile. Actually, he, he dropped me a line ages ago with just the kernel of an idea. Um, and it's great to see him build that forward with a great team. And, and, and I, I think, you know, it's going to be a category of product that is going to be mandatory in 12, 18 months time for any business of any scale. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about MetaView, um, uh, Cameron? What is it? What does it do? Why should people care about it? <coughs> Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, you can hear me, yeah? Yep. Uh, yeah, great. So I'm Cameron from MetaView. Uh, super excited to be sponsoring this episode today at MetaView. We are huge fans of the brain food community. And Hung, I've been following you for as long as I've worked in this space. So a bit about the company. MetaView is the leading interview intelligence platform focused on increasing quality and reducing bias in interviews. And especially in the current environment, it seems like every conversation that we are having with talent leaders emphasizes that it's all about quality over quantity. So at MetaView, we help by recording and transcribing interviews seamlessly, and then by providing powerful insights and tools for recruiters, hiring managers, and interviewers to help level up this crucial part of the hiring process. MetaView already integrates with your existing tech stack, so there's no need for you to swap out your ATS, or to change your video conference provider, implementation really does just take a few minutes. And what that means is that you can go from an old world where all you have after the interview are the kind of frantically written notes and maybe slightly fuzzy memories of the interviewer to a new world where you and the hiring team have full visibility into these crucial conversations. And this leads to fairer interviews, a better candidate experience, but most importantly, to better hiring decisions. We already work with a ton of high-performance, forward-thinking companies, including Brex, Clio, AngelList, Spotify, and a bunch of others. 90% satisfaction rate among our users and five stars on G2. Um, for anyone who would like to learn more, then next Tuesday on December the 6th, we are hosting a live 30-minute demo where we will showcase all of our latest features and focus specifically on how we enable companies to supercharge quality of hire. So it's the perfect event for any folk that are focused on keeping the bar for quality really high, or just for people who would like to dip their toe in the water of interview intelligence. Reserving your spot is really, really easy. Just head over to metaview.ai and click on the homepage banner to register. Really looking forward to it. Hope to see a few of the brain food community there. Um, anyone has any questions, then you can also just email me on Cameron at metaview.ai. So I've probably outlasted my segment, Hung, but really looking forward to the upcoming. I was going to say, what, what, I've got to watch the uh, the scope creep with some of these uh, these sponsor messages. But <laughs> I'm 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 pleased to hear it, and I think it's important that people get the full gist because it isn't a, a new category for a lot of folks. Um, and I, I'm, I feel like it's important that people get educated on it. Anyway, I've just shared the link in the chat stream, folks. So go ahead and register on that. It's Tuesday next week. Um, I think it's Tuesday, isn't it? The sixth of December. Um, Tuesday, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And basically, it's going to be a 30-minute demo. You can just watch it. Like, you don't need to book a separate thing. Just a public demo. You can see how this thing works. If you like, go ahead and, and grab a, uh, a, a trial version of, uh, of the product. It's, uh, it's a really interesting uh, category of product uh, to get involved in. Um, Cameron, great to see you on the show. Thank you so much for your message. I hope you're going to hang around and, and, uh, and spend a bit of time with us when we're talking about this other topic. Uh, which Abs is a bit more Absolutely, yeah. Um, but important one for us to discuss as well. So great to see you, Cameron, and uh, and thanks for your message, man. Cool. Thank you very much, Han. Bye now. What a nice guy. Um, and uh, and yeah, great product, guys. So go and check it out. Okay, let's get on with the topic: psychology of recruitment, re recruiter redundancy, particularly if you're a recruiter, you've been made redundant. What are you meant to feel? How are you meant to deal with it? That is what we're going to talk about. We're going to bring on some guests that know what they're talking about either because they are people who have come from psychology backgrounds and are now working in head of in, in people type roles or they're people who have actually recently um, and I believe one of our guests is currently in a situation where they have um, been made redundant so we're going to bring these folks on and we're going to have a good conversation with them let's bring on Linnea firstly um, let's also bring on Octav I don't see Katrina anywhere. I wonder where she is. I wonder whether she's dropped into a different thing. Um, oh, there's Linnea. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Nice to see you. You too. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Thank you. 
Good stuff, good stuff. Um, well, Linnea, why don't you introduce yourself while people are coming on screen? Who are you? What it is you do? Sure. So I'm head of people at a company called Alva Labs, which is a SaaS tool for candidate assessment. Um, but I'm also a licensed psychologist. Uh, so hopefully that can come in handy for this conversation. Absolutely, it can do. Oh, Kat is on here. She's called Kat. See, Kat is the problem. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I need, I need like a, a sure identifier. Um, so, okay, Kat. There's, there's, there's two cats. Oh, there, there, there's the only cat that matters. Let's bring her on. Okay, great. Um, and Octav, good to see you, man. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? <laughs> hi, hi. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Hunger, and uh, hi, everyone. So I'm, uh, well, now ex a lead technical recruiter at Sneak. Um, I've been the, probably the most recently made redundant out of the group. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just finished up my, uh, my last day with Sneak uh, at the beginning of the week. But yes, uh, uh, yeah most recent experience in into this and then that's not the only relevant reason octaves on on uh, on the screen because you're a very experienced recruiter knows a lot about tech recruiting etc etc and you'll come back at some of the points but i thought it very pertinent to, to to get someone in who's actually currently in this scenario because this is fresh information we we want to we want to get that information as well okay uh we have chris bright as well chris great to see you can you quickly introduce yourself who are you what it is you do Sure. Um, so I'm Christian. Uh, I am the recruitment lead at a company called Rusa. Uh, Rusa is a seafood network that connects buyers and suppliers. Um, so I've entered the world of fish tech, I think you can say. Um, I got this job after being made redundant earlier in the year um, and uh, kind of probably a few months ahead of what Octave is going through at the moment. So um, I'll probably share a few things. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and uh, Katrina, great to see you. Um, uh, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do, my dear? Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Kat um, or Katrina. Uh, I, I, I'm a one. Um, I am a business psychologist, a coach, and I've been working in people and talent for about 12 years. Um, and I would say I am a people leader in active recovery i've taken the last six months off of work um and uh yeah short intro to me great Good to you. see all of you on the show thank you so much for joining us uh chris let me just share your linkedin to, to people as well so that people can uh you know connect with you and know who you are um so let's talk about the current situation have i mean I want to just make sure that i'm not the person who is concerned or you know overblowing a particular issue but i've felt that essentially there has been very little guidance on the psychological side of it when it comes to redundancy um uh, like we've seen a lot of people step forward um with um practical solutions i've tried to do something other companies are trying to do you know we're helping on the practical side but what is the emotional journey looking like um linnea let's go to you first of all from a, a psychology perspective what is redundancy why why can we anticipate it uh, that it might be emotionally a difficult uh moment for people mm. i mean first thing i would like to start with like your job is very tightly linked to your identity right or wrong we can discuss that in another forum but that's still uh, very true that it's something we pour so much like heart and time into so when you lose that you to some extent lose not only the hours spent during a day but a like a large part of who you see yourself as and i mean there's a lot of data showing that when that happens um there i mean that's a big risk factor for um mental health having a job is a very like important factor to ensure your mental health so losing it will um will have a lot of implications yeah, I, I think that self-identity thing is particularly pertinent to us being in recruiting um, because we do self-identify. I think if you're casual, like casually working someplace, it's just a, you know, let's get 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 some money in for the ne next couple of weeks. Maybe a redundancy there would be less important. But if you identify in the career and in the field, this is what you do, and then you get like uh, involuntarily made redundant, told to leave. How, yeah, of course you're going to take that as a body blow. That's a blow to your 
self-esteem even for the people that you know uh, might feel that they've got particularly strong you know thick skin etc it's still uh, very difficult to uh to handle that particular piece um chris let's go to you on this did you experience this when you were made redundant um several months or so ago did can, can you, how did you feel emotionally when you found the news okay i'm, I'm out um yeah i mean it, it's difficult to process definitely because you know particularly like with recruiters you're so geared towards growth right you're so under pressure all the time to deliver on growth and then it's like suddenly like a not growing anymore and because we're not growing anymore we don't need you and it kind of stops you in your tracks because you're like well it's not through anything that i've necessarily done so it's not in my control but i have to accept it and now all this time this effort this um like emotional commitment towards a job is suddenly taken away from you and it's just there's almost there's that sense of loss of almost grief that you kind of experience in the first few stages of it that you can either go one or two ways with it I and mean, people deal with this in different ways but i found it was very like you know i was like what do i do now you know what like how do i how do i spend my day you know like it's almost like you ask yourself those type of questions because it's so geared towards a routine of like right okay what's coming up today what do i need to deliver on how am i going to do that how can i have an impact and then suddenly it's like well that's all gone um so it is like like it's it's a real processing time to kind of get your head around um and i found it was it, it was tricky like you know you definitely go through some stages of like sad angry um but then you just you obviously have to accept it as well because you you can't do anything about it as an individual as an employee like a, a company's made a decision um but you have to accept it but it's but it's tough because you've you're like well, it wasn't like anything I did. So uh, maybe a sense of lack of justice then, because yeah. you're saying, hey, I performed, you know, I did my job. It, 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 you know, I, I did everything I could. And you, sometimes being sacked or being made redundant, it's connected with the perception of, you know, have you done your job well or not? And you're yeah. saying, Chris, in your context, you actually did your job well, um, but then you got kind of made redundant anyway. So, so there's an element of that's not fair. Um, and that's 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 a difficult thing to chew on. I don't think anybody deals with uh, a lack of fairness in in a, in, a, in a great way. In fact, even monkeys don't deal with this very well. I don't know whether anybody saw that study. Um, have anyone seen this? It's it's great. Uh, it's actually probably unethical to be honest. You're creating like a simian conflict. But they, they got these two monkeys, and they started treating one of them unfairly, like giving them less treats for no reason whatsoever. Um, and, and they got like, it, it basically caused massive conflict between the two previously getting along monkeys, um, simply because a third party was providing an unequal treatment, un unfair treatment. So that, that sense of outrage is, is I think, very deeply inherent um, in, in how we feel. Um, Chris, you mentioned like you got to accept it. Now, do you have to accept it? And is it is it something you immediately accept? Or do you like, nah, nah I'm not having this. You go back and like argue the case. Octave, I've got to go to you because this is happening to you very recently. So when the 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 the, the message dropped, so to speak, did you feel there were did you go immediately to okay, I accept this situation, or did you go and actually argue the toss? I mean, yeah. where were you with this? That's a, that's a very good question. It's a very interesting one because I went through a roller coaster of emotions and it's, you just bounce off between different points. So, yeah, you get the shock message and you immediately go into defense mode, like, wait, what, what why? Then you start to try to understand the why. And depending now on the business, if they provide you very uh, a lot of context early on or later down the line, you'll find that the answer to that question is like, why me? Do I need to find it or do, uh, fight it? Or do I need to accept it? It depends a lot on what answers they give you early on. So the support that the company gives you early, the better it gets you to step through that, that hoop, let's say, and through that challenge. Uh, with me, it was very much, uh, it took us a while to kind of understand the reasoning and kind of go through the actual details the individual details and it does happen with especially in the uk because we have different processes but um yeah 
definitely definitely don't accept it um from the get-go the first kind of um this point you, you go into emotionally it's uh, just defending and um being defensive and trying to be uh let's say constructive in a way trying to find a solution because you're worried about your future as a carer as a uh someone who has let's say people depending on you and and so on and so forth where do you, you want to make sure that what do i do now and how do i move on but yes you also go with the rest of the roller coaster of emotions and anger and confusion and so on and so forth it's it comes with a big package right so so just for a bit of context octave i hope you don't mind me saying but mm. you're you're your new father i think for the first time as well um so to be to be <laughs> father to be yeah of course so so you've got family to think about and then this is just dropped down and obviously it's christmas mm. it's tough i totally get it uh which by the way folks if anybody's hiring any fucking recruiters octave's right here he's right here man get on with it um so 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 um, okay Kat, we've, we've got a few kind of like uh, things here. There's a sense of uh, surprise. There's a sense of shock. There is anger. There is all these types of very heightened emotional uh, reactions, um, which are, how, how would you describe them? I, I don't want to call them negative because it, it kind of uh, implies like a pejorative assessment that I'm not making. Um, but they're, they're kind of, uh, if you like, the darker versions of the emotional states we have, the kind of, you know, those types of moods. Um, what should we do when we have that mood? Should we, should we kind of like get deep into it and embrace it? Or should we just like try and accelerate through it as quickly as possible? Like what is the strategy to handle that situation? Do you go and punch the wall or something? You know, you see a Romelu Lukaku you throw a punch at the, uh, uh, the, the side hoardings or something after Belgian, you know, got, got knocked out of the World Cup. Is that is that a solution uh, for this scenario? Or uh, is, can you give us any any tips or advice on this? Yeah, um, I'd, I'd actually like to just quickly touch on something that um, uh, Chris was mentioning, um, Christian was mentioning, around that kind of, uh, not it's not something that you've done, like when you're made redundant. But, and I think the way that we approach work is that if I work hard, then I'll be rewarded. Like if I if I'm performing well, um, then I'll be okay in my job. And I think um, what redundancy really highlights is that nothing is permanent. Even when you're in a permanent job, there's nothing permanent about a permanent job. And I think until you've been made redundant or gone through a similar scenario, you go into uh, an organisation and think, as long as I can work hard, uh, I'll leave on my terms. So I think there's an a, there's a there's a level of uncertainty around that about lack of control of the situation that I think is really hard for people to go through. I think if, with any kind of loss or grief, that kind of the the sense of like the uncertainty and the lack of permanence about a situation or someone you know in your life, I think that's um, difficult to deal with, and people don't like change. Like, no matter how much you try and make yourself someone open to, uh, you know, I'm curious about change and yeah, I can, you know, I thrive in chaos and whatever people want to want to say, um, change is difficult to go through. And I think what we're talking about here is that change curve of like all the emotional states that you go through. And I think everyone responds to it differently and everyone has different coping strategies for it. And at different points, but I think the really important thing is to feel your feels, <laughs> um, as I say. So like whatever comes up, like just accept it. Some people actually are quite happy about being made redundant and then they feel guilty about their happiness. So there's all these sorts of different emotions that come up. Rage, I always find if I'm angry, scream in a pillow, it's great. Like you get it out, but it's not in a harmful kind of, you know, you're not making anyone feel unsafe. Um, I always scream in a pillow like a crazy person. Um, <laughs> but I, I know I, the watch out, Kath. I see you carrying a pillow around. I'm yeah, okay. I mean, there's a pillow just there. <laughs> if you see me bringing pillow. it over to the screen. <laughs> um, but I think you just have to feel whatever comes up and try and be kind to yourself and just be like, today I might feel depressed. Tomorrow I might feel a bit more upbeat. And then the next day I might feel angry. And it's just, it's quite a lot of confusion. So I think just let yourself feel whatever you feel and it's not going to be the same as someone else um 
So, you know, someone might give you some advice or talk about what their experience was, but that might not be how it comes up for you. So hey, just be kind, go out for walks. Like not everyone likes meditation, but just breathe. Just remember to breathe, like actually take like a proper deep belly breath um whenever you're feeling like your shoulders are coming up and it's all just a bit much you know you get start getting in your head <sighs> just like brief and just like try to let it go um yeah you've said a lot of interesting things there, and we'll talk about techniques to to kind of um restable restabilize your emotional states i think definitely physical movements and, and stuff like that definitely will help um but i think it's something i didn't think about but it's the lack of agency or control is one of the the big disturbances like if you like you might, you might if you might resign from a job but you're in control of that and there's zero stress even if you go to an uncertain scenario you've decided to do that um and and the the, the stress level is going to be far less than being you know oh, this is not my call i'm just like thrown into this so it's a lack of uh, uh, sort of agency uh, which is, I think, one of the worst things that you, is the reason why a candidate experience is bad, by the way, is the candidate feels lack of agency being funneled through a process. Uh, so we know already that this is not a good thing. It is the sort of um, uh, the, 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 the sense of it being a verdict on your performance, um, even even when, you know, and then if you think it doesn't map against that, then you're outraged <laughs> that your performance hasn't been factored in. So there's that element. And I think that some of the other people have mentioned on, in the chat there that there's um, there's the loss of the relationships, right? Um, I mean, you're logging even even if you're all remote, you're still logging in every day. You're doing the stand-ups, you're doing the the regular route, all those things. Those relationships immediately change, um, immediately change, and they'll never be the same again. So you can mourn for. Um, those relationships and the ending of that period of your life um, in the same way I think you, you you might feel if you you know left school for the last time or you know you moved town and you say goodbye to friends. you're not going to say goodbye forever but you're saying goodbye for that 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 experience you had uh, collectively so there's that mourning uh, involved as well of the the loss of the social relationships and finally uh, Chris going back to what you said there's also a lack of the routine the routine has shifted um so suddenly now you have excess time um because you've got at least a 40 hour window like block that you've you just here you go extra extra time and yeah you need to reformulate some structure otherwise you'd be you know lying in bed till 2 2 a.m and 2 p.m in the afternoon um you know what i mean or playing computer games till whenever um because you 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 know you're out of the the, the rhythm so lots of reasons why this is emotionally difficult. Um, so I guess the first message is for people who might be experiencing this for the first time, maybe less experienced in redundancy, um, is that these emotional uh, sort of um, movements are expected and they're normal um, and they're quite deep. Like it's not a trivial feeling. It's, they're actually very, very uh, deeply felt um, and it's normal to feel them uh, and maybe even be you know a healthy thing to do so, as you say, uh cat very uh very well um does it get any easier anybody being made redundant multiple times um i i don't think i mean has anybody on screen been made redundant more than once um and can you commentate on that if you haven't if, if anybody who's listening in um particularly folks who've been through a few recessions and what have you uh, does it actually get easier I, I kind of think it should, but I don't know. I've 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 never been through it, right? So um, let me know in the comments. I mean, does it get easier as you go through it? Because you've just experienced it, you've gone past, then you've experienced something more, and it's oh, Chloe said very clearly, caps locked it. So it's, it's like <laughs> Chloe is saying no. It's, it doesn't get any easier. Very interesting, Chloe. Do you mind me asking why you feel it's it's it doesn't get better? um maybe because each context is different i guess um okay um so what is the way that we should handle these emotions now that we've discussed them we understand that they exist um what, what how would we sort of advise somebody even if you're advising yourself recognizing everyone's different so let's pretend we're just talking to ourselves we've been made redundant how would you advise yourself uh, to handle these emotions. Any thoughts on this, uh, Alinea? Yeah, I would like to refer back to, has anyone heard of the behavioral train before? Um, like emotions and thoughts are really, really hard to, to control. They just kind of 
come at us and they're there. We have to accept them. Um, but what's in our control is actually what we do. So if you think about a train where the locomotive consists of the behaviors that you're doing and the kind of strollers afterwards are the um, emotions. Oh, so, yeah, sorry, the emotions and the thoughts. Meaning even if you're feeling like crap, act as if you are within control. Act as if you will find another alternative. Act as if you are feeling good. This is actually how a lot of like CBT is done. So like Sorry, I would- what's CBT? Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so like- <laughs> Okay, great. I thought that was a drug. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it might be. <laughs> Just drop something in, no. It's also uh, therapy. Yeah. Um, no, so like I really agree with Kat that like you can only accept the, you can't really change your emotions, but you can control how your behavior is doing and that will actually bring along the thoughts and emotion eventually. So if I were to advise myself um, in this kind of situation, I would think back to what makes me feel good. It's spending time with, you know, the people I love. It's um, being outside. I love, I'm, I'm a runner. I love running. Uh, and I would like try to do those things, even if I don't feel like it, because it will bring me into that state. So that's how I would, it, it sounds super corny and, but it actually works. No, I, I think it's absolutely right. It's it's basically you can manipulate your emotional states by your your physical activity. Isn't there isn't there isn't there a cult in and I mean cult again without any pejorative sort of uh, view? Um, in I think it's in Asia somewhere. They 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 do laughing like training. So so they all collectively laugh, um, and and they do this in order to create a higher sense of of of, of emotional state and, and actually. Is this evidence to say if you force yourself to laugh, like literally fake a laugh, eventually your body gets tricked and you end up feeling a little bit higher. And you can also reverse this. So in other words, if you want to feel miserable, try and not laugh. Like literally just put frowns on your face, all those muscle tensions to put a frown on your face, your, your mood level is going to go down as a result of that activity. So I think the physical action is important. Um, and, and this is great if you already you know, have an activity that you like or enjoy to do. Um, and it may be difficult for some other people, a little bit more sedentary, for instance, uh, we all get that, but it, would your advice be okay? You know, maybe it would be a good thing to do stuff that is just a bit physical. Go for a walk, as you said, Kat, you know, everyone can more or less do that. I think ableist kind of comment, but you know what I mean? 90% you know, of people, I would, I would guess, were able to do some sort of mobilization go for a walk, um, change your environment, take some deep breaths, mood changes, um, I, I would say, bit of bit of self-medication. Any thoughts on this, Chris? What did you do uh, to get out of that, that initial funk when, uh, when when you kind of uh, were made redundant last, uh, last time around? Um, I think I just thought about my like priorities. So my priority, work was a big priority for me before, but it's no longer there. So now what is my priority my priority was my kids my priority was myself my priority was the house that i live in and i kind of you know and also finding a new job of course um and i just you know it sounds real cheesy but just took it like day by day it's like okay I, I, the point on like emotions like you can't like they just come and go right like you feel rubbish and then you might feel a bit better you can't block them out you can't suppress them because it just actually doesn't help so you can have days where i had days where i was like oh man this sucks so i'm going to do something that's actually going to make me feel better so i also like running i'll go for a run or um i take my kids out somewhere uh you know something where you just change your environment change your state i i didn't allow myself to sit there and kind of dwell and sulk because i knew if i i know myself if i do that I will get into a rut that way. So I was like, I'm not going to allow myself to do that. I'm going to do positive things that are going to like make a, make some progress each day. Um, and I, I did throw myself into my job search as well. You know, I just went straight into it. I was like, right, okay, I'm going to use this energy that I've kind of got from this redundancy process and some of it negative. And I'm going to channel that into something positive. And that something positive is getting like a new role as well as the other stuff I've mentioned. 
is it is it possible you can go too fast too soon into the job search after a redundancy um because and i'm this is not a criticism on, on you chris but I, I was just it's just occurred to me that that is the natural thing that people might do just rush the cv out mm -hmm. just uh, register with every recruitment rec to rec you know start applying everywhere like a mad person that feels like it's you shouldn't you should do but it, would it make sense um and i don't know this but would it make sense to go through that processing beforehand uh, and then think about you know what it is you want to do so a friend of mine another friend of mine said um that um I, bass i wonder whether he's watching this he said actually it was a blessing because he never had time to think about what he wanted to do in terms of you know, the companies he was joining it was like i'm in the middle of work it's all like busy as oh he was made redundant actually okay i'm gonna take a week like you can just time box it and then just experiment, think about what he wants, and then boom, make a better decision next time round. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Open question. Do you, do you think rush straight in or take take some time to to to, to reset? Octav, you want to say something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it depends a lot on the urgency of things, and uh, it also depends a lot on let's say the package that you have. If right. it's something that's a big chunkier, it allows you to buy more time. If it's less, then you have to put a rush on things. It, and everyone will have individual circumstances. Uh, for example, not when we've not talked about a lot of people who are on visas for example correct um and they need they're in a foreign country they will need to relocate back into their original countries if they don't find a job so there's a huge pressure of an, an urgency there but uh with me um i've been in the same scenario as christian basically but kind of jumping in between i feel great i feel okay um i should probably start looking but what am i really looking for so you kind of go for a cycle of rediscovering what is it that you want to do and you enjoyed about your role what is it that you want to take forward and then try to find a role that fits um in a better economy that would i would say probably that wouldn't be a problem because you feel a lot more relaxed but when everything seems that it's caving in this is where all of these feelings do get amplified quite a bit more so uh, i think people do sense a bit more urgency now um me yeah definitely feeling the the, the pressure as to okay i need to move in uh into something new i need to find something i need that security let's say yeah good point so so we need to all the, contextualize it in the individual circumstances very very clear i think also very pertinent to mention people that have you know these extraordinary extra consequences of losing their their job um and i think this in particularly in the us where there is like a 60-day cutoff you know a lot of these twitter folks uh you know they're on visas that are tied to their employment um and if they've just been summarily told to leave they've got 60 days not only to find a new job but to find a job from a company that's prepared to take on that sponsorship so there's also some additional administrative work to do and if they don't succeed in doing that they actually get deported um so think about the pressure that's uh, leveraged on those people and that that's an, a topic for another conversation because it just got me thinking you know do we factor in the consequences of a redundancy to the individuals when we're making redundancy decisions because it, it means different things to different people um and when you look at the cascade effect of someone who needs to relocate literally take him himself his family everything out of the country and then maybe go back to a place he hasn't been to for 10 years or whatever um that seems to me like a crazy um excessive consequence of as we said before something that actually had he may have he or she might have nothing to do with might have been a good performer and then suddenly uh you know major life change so that's the circumstance that might determine your sense of urgency um but i guess the point i was making is it it, it probably doesn't help you to um just go like in in a, in a panic mode um and just go mass splurge um because that just will involve you in lots of distracting conversations um that may not be to your interest in any case um it's, it's you're, you're almost squandering your energy that you you have in a, in a spur in a spray and pray approach which we advise everyone against but you know that's something that we might default to if we you know feel that sense of pressure so if your external environment is you know giving you a little bit of space then you know take the time if you have it 
to try and put your, your 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 mind and body together so you can actually go um and, and attack it further um talk to me about the colleagues so what is the relationship like with people who have also been made redundant at the same time what is the relationship like with people who were made redundant slightly before you if there's waves of it um and what is the relationship with people that haven't been made redundant um like i again this is new information for me but for people who've been through it um and this goes to all of you on screen all of you listening uh, sort of uh off screen how is your relationship with the people who have not been made redundant I'll, I can go. I'll go for it. Oh, no, you Actually, go. You go. No, no, okay. You go. Okay. Um, I was just going to say that I think I think there's something quite natural that happens, which is that people distance themselves from the situation that's caused them to feel a certain way. Um, so, and I, and I think to an extent that's healthy for a period of time, like while you're going through the process of all the emotions of the re redundancy, like to not maybe speak to those colleagues for a while um, is okay, like those ex-colleagues. Um, you don't want to burn bridges and you don't want to completely close off those connections, but I think it's good for the process to be able to let go and like move on um, to have that break. Um, I've been a survivor of redundancy rounds and, I, and I'd say um, that if you're left and your friends have gone, uh, you feel incredibly guilty as well. Uh, so I, I, I'd say that on the flip side of that, when you're left and uh, you know that people have that the pressure that you feel to, you know, the additional work that you have uh, and, and that guilt of like, uh, you know, should it have been me? Like, should it have been them? Like you, you feel all sorts of emotions as someone who stays as well. Um, and you also maybe don't want to then communicate with them because you don't know what to say. You don't know um you don't know what to do with your feelings about their situation even though it's not about you at all um yeah so that's just a, a couple of points i'd say christian yeah um i was going to say like i think i'm on pretty i'm on good terms with uh people who are still in the company um and still speak to a few of them really frequently um i think a lot of that goes into how the actual process was handled as well like you know you see we see a lot on Twitter about like some good examples and some really not great examples of people being uh, laid off. Um, <clears throat> I was very fortunate that mine was handled very empathetically. Um, you know, it was uh, probably as well as something like that can be handled. Um, and that, I think that helped me with the processing of like, yeah, I'm going to have more distance from these people. But also I know that it's had an effect on them, you know, it's not easy for them as well. Um, and I think that that enabled me to kind of move on and treat the relationship probably slightly different, well, it's obviously different from how it was. So um, yeah, I've, I think it's one of the things I have learned that like, you, you don't want to burn bridges as, as Kat says, because when you are looking for work, your network is one of the most powerful things you can have. And so people you have just recently worked with are a useful, you know, tool to help you find something new. And um, to quickly add to that as well, um, it's not just the people that are left, but the people that are made redundant at the same time. Um, I think, to me at least, that has been a very powerful community. Um, we managed to get in touch with each other and kind of going into, okay, are we all going through the same emotions or similar emotions and finding a community or joining a community that is, let's say, going through the same stage and offers you support on a daily basis? Because we did support each other. We uh, joked, we went out for drinks, uh, we, um, some of us at least, we um, exchanged like jobs and stuff and job advice and offered support where we could in terms of, hey, this is how you should approach job hunting or i don't know or look at cvs and so on and so forward but it made such a big difference to be engaged with that let's say group of people that was made redundant uh and totally outside of the the business context basically but that that was a big big help that's a really really good point um octav so so the the, the, the uh, just occurred to me again there's obviously a big distinction 
um, between uh, you being, let's say, the solo person being made redundant, um, which might be quite a devastating, even like even more devastating scenario, because um, there it, it may well be more related to personal performance or what have you, and there's there's this lack of this uh, peer group where you know if there's a if there's a tranche of people have been made redundant. Um, it's more explainable to say it's on a wider business context that no one's uh, individually at fault for, but also you've got a, a cohort of people that are going through the same process at the same moment um, and therefore can support each other um, going forward. Um, there's a really interesting, I don't know whether anybody heard this, but there was quite a really, there's a really interesting, um, wasn't even a podcast, it was a recording of a therapy session by this psychotherapist uh, that I'm uh, 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 quite a fan of um, is, is a lady called Esther Perel. I don't know whether you, uh, either of you, uh, anybody knows this lady. I think she's a Belgian person, um, but she um, she got a really amazing way to communicate these topics. And she basically was coaching two people that had made, been made redundant uh, simultaneously, similar to, as you were saying, Octave, like friends and so on. Um, and she said, look, it's really great that you have this relationship and this bond. Um, but she then also introduced a warning to say, what you want to be careful of is that you don't sort of um, form the full focus of the new relationship that you have as ex-colleagues purely as the from the circumstance of being made redundant on this moment. Um, because it might be this is something that it be becomes the thing that bonds you together. Um, and actually what you want to do is, is, to, is to recognize that's a really important shared moment of adversity but then try and build on something a, a more positive, essentially, um, and, and see whether you can go on, on from it there. And it struck me really, that bit of insight struck me really as quite important because there's some relationships that I have that are based on negativity, I've realized. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, why, like, there's a friend of mine, like, why are we always bitching about the same thing that happened 20 years ago? Um, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's because literally we've not developed our relationship. Like our relationship is purely about this joint complaint we had on this circumstance that is like decades old and we haven't progressed our relationship not to anybody's like it's not hugely negative but it's definitely not positive we would have had a better and more positive relationship with each other and everyone else had we like found the wisdom to build on something else other than this joint complaint so it was a really interesting uh, podcast I'd, i'll share it with people oh there she is yeah someone's uh, shared uh, uh, esther Pearl in there um, she should be a better podcaster. She's really, really great. Uh, she's one of these that basically is on, is on talk shows. And the, the things she says are so amazing. She, she just needs to do a better job on her own podcast. Anyway, um, uh, she's great. Um, but that, that's an important thing to also think about. Um, what about sort of the... Um, have you observed any behaviors from colleagues that have been made redundant that you have caught that caused you to think and I direct this uh, to uh, I think particularly Chris and Octave but also uh, Kat and Linnea if you've been through this process um have you observed from some of your uh, peer group who've been made redundant behaviors that you felt were actually not in the benefit of that person but they've done something they've externalized something or they've withdrawn in some way i mean have they behaved in a way where you thought actually that probably isn't brilliant i want i need to intercede or someone should support this person in a different way uh, and if so what would that be what what is that behavior it's a bit tough to say i mean um i haven't seen anything too specific or too outside of the norm of yeah people feeling a bit uh, deflated and disappointed with the scenario but um, then again it's about yeah the relationship that you have is it you, you all do you all gang up on the idea that hey it's a negative thing and uh, everyone kind of just frozen or can you can we see past that past that let's say uh, emotional or expression of, of negativity um, I, I haven't seen much that was detrimental to others or um uh, let's say anything that went um in the wrong way let's say um personally no worries um would can can you imagine a behavior where 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 you would actually say yeah mate don't do that <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm guessing i guess what i'm trying to fumble at is that sometimes people like vent publicly don't they um and they go and go and lambast their ex-employer or they would would 
maybe not directly, but you know, indirectly do so. And it's obvious they're speaking about this person or that organization. You think, yeah, it's not going to help you, mate. Uh, you know, we've seen, yeah, we've seen a couple of things like that, but um, all kind of handled with a bit of care and with a bit of white glove type of thing. <laughs> so uh, there were a couple of people that were, let's say, posting about their experience and so on. But um, I think everyone had enough integrity and respect about the work that they've done, the company that they've worked for and so on. Um, so, yeah, I would say if you're in that position, it's best not to do anything that's rash and kind of acting on the spur of the moment affected by the emotions that you have because that would put you in a very very difficult place and especially if you're looking at the potential of the employment further down the line yeah it's it's not putting anyone in a in a great scenario yes you can vent out publicly but then what does that bring you uh, and that's the, the question um that everyone should ask themselves um i think seeking solitude in other ways um and solace sorry not solitude but um seeking solace in other ways would be better um but yeah that's what we've seen uh, at least yeah very very good uh, that was the point i was hoping to make because we've seen I, i've seen people like vent out and it's like okay I, the, the the emotional state is 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 understandable um but yeah. there's there's consequences uh to that behavior which which will reflect back on you in a negative way um and you know the, the, try and find some alternative way to do that that may not carry that risk um folks let's take a sh short break we always do this in the middle of every show very very important that we do it um the reason why is because brain food live is a conversation starting show it is not there to ever stop a conversation this particular conversation is very important. Um, and I want us to be able to keep talking about this, even if and when we come off air, as we need to do so in about 10 minutes. So why don't we all take a moment, get your LinkedIn profile URL and share it in the chat stream in the uh, uh, the, the left hand, right hand side of your screen. Um, and then make sure you connect with everyone who shared their LinkedIn. Um, that way you can walk away from this conversation with at least, you know, a dozen or so more people that care about this particular topic. And if you wanted to go ahead and have that conversation with people, uh, sort of off air, uh, or do some other thing with that, go ahead and do it. Let's emerge from this with a stronger network. I think that's one of the things that bring through live is all about. Everyone should be just strengthened with their network. That's going to help you in every circumstance. Uh, if you're watching this on LinkedIn, by the way, do the same on the on the on the comment. Share your LinkedIn URL in there, and then connect with everyone who's also done that. Everyone should walk away with you know a dozen more uh, connections that are in industry and care about this topic. Um, okay, let's move to sort of action, not action, because I think we, and I don't want to sort of tell people here moves to action orientation uh <laughs> you know when uh, people might get to that in a different sort of um uh, different pace or whatever what, what that might be but um how um sort of how important is it to have a structure of uh job search um like uh, the, speaking to, to to people who uh, again uh, directed to everyone who's done this but it, it seems to me that it might make sense to, to structure it um uh so that you can you can do certain things at certain moments and it's there you know this is how you're going to approach it rather than just log on and sporadically scroll through stuff and ping things out um so there's two things that i think are worth exploring number one because i think psychologically it might help th uh, to, to do it and, and secondly i think it might actually be more practically uh sort of efficient um any thoughts on this octav and uh anybody but octav in particular what, what are your thoughts on structuring the job search Absolutely. And um, it comes back to what you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, you have to be very careful at how, how do you approach the job search when in your, let's say, moment of, uh, of clarity, do you go into that job search? Once you've found your North Star again, I think that's when you should start looking for a new role. And um, given the market, I mean, let's leave the market aside, but if you know where to kind of look, then the more the more opportunities you'll find. If you focus on 
what's really important to you, that's where you'll start single, um, yeah, singling out companies and thinking, okay, I want to be part of this company or this type of um, business or this type of industry. This is what will bring me joy. Uh, and just focusing on that, uh, going into LinkedIn every day, uh, searching for jobs is also very much energy intensive and it will drain people very, very quickly. It's uh, People say that hey, uh, job searching is a full-time job and it is, <laughs> um, but trying to abstain from that would be actually beneficial because it gives you time to reflect, gives you time to think about which way do I want to take my career. Um, and that's my my approach at this point. Yeah, very, very good. Any thoughts on this? Anybody else? Like what, the, 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 can you structure your, your job search in such a way that's productive uh, for getting results, but also mentally healthy? Uh, Lene, you want to say something? Yeah, I mean, maybe this is not just linked to job search in particular, but more generic. Um, the first one is like making sure that it's easy to get started. Sometimes it's so easy to like procrastinate because, I mean, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's draining. So having some sort of like ritual uh, that makes it easy to get started and do kind of that ritual. Uh, it can be like, I always start with getting my coffee, put on my slippers, and then I start. Because then you, just by getting the coffee, you're already doing it. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that I love uh, is the Pomodoro technique, um, which pretty much means that you like, you know, you set the timer for like 25 minutes. Um, and during those 25 minutes, you're not even allowed to pee. You have to like do the job hunting, but then you take a break uh, so that you know that there's some like reward to it. So it, it doesn't come into this like I have a four hour chunk of time, but like divide it. So I guess that's more generic stuff, but um, I find it helpful. No, so basic productivity stuff useful, yeah. right? So chunk, don't don't look at this endless job search. Like it, it could just be, you know, a forever sort of vortex. No, you want to chop it into chunks um, so that you've got like activity stops and you say, right, here's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however yeah. it's comfortable, but probably less than an hour chunks, right? You don't yes. want to have like hours and hours, like a big six hour, right, jobs. No, <laughs> chop it into bits. Um, okay. Any thoughts yeah. on this? Anybody else, um, like structuring the approach? I was just going to add that. I think that recruiters are the best people that should be able to do this, right? Because we go to hiring managers, we ask them, what are your requirements? What are you looking for? What would be the best fit for the team? Um, we, we might even have a structure that we follow of information that we take. Um, and then we go out and create a sourcing strategy or, and a hiring plan, right? So we have all of these skills. We just have to apply them to ourselves when we're when we're doing this. That's the only thing I'd add. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This is kind of exactly what I did, where I thought, okay, um, where are the most obvious places I can go? I didn't want to go just straight out and start applying for a load of roles because I know that that, as Optum says, is really kind of intensive and can just drain your energy and your morale. So I, I basically like long listed, who do I know? How well do I know them? And the purpose was just really to, to start having conversations with people. Like even if it was just the catch up or if it was more like, oh, this person will be able to introduce me to somebody. Um, but I felt it just gave me some momentum with it. And I was going to people first of all, who I knew and who I trusted and were kind of, you know, at the very least give like a sympathetic ear to you and be like, oh, that's, you know, that sucks. Sorry, that's happened to you. Um, but I was able to kind of build momentum from there. And what I found was like, you know, I'd speak to somebody and be like, oh, let me introduce you to this person. And it was almost like this network effect. And before you know it, you were being introduced to people and you were talking about opportunities. Um, and the role I got, the role I, at Bruiser I got was through that. It was like somebody I know, okay, I'll introduce you to this person and just started talking to them. And then it kind of, you know, escalated from there. You know, it's a really interesting observation because um, uh, basically uh, no one eats their own dog food, no matter what sort of uh, uh, a discipline we work on. Um, and we default to these behaviors. But of course, you know, we should approach this very much as using the recruiting skills that we do have. Um, and the problem, I think, with certainly if you see jobs that are applicant that you can just apply to, I think that makes sense. But you can't have that as the dominant activity because um, what the situation there is, you're just allowing yourself for, for to, to be a supplicant. So someone else is going to say no to that, right? And never put yourself in a position where 
the other person has a yes no verdict on you um uh, you can do that for a certain limit of time but try and control the outcome uh, as you mentioned um uh, chris the outcome is to just have a conversation you can control that uh, you're not looking for further agenda but you're aware that having that dialogue is going to create something um and something positive so uh, that i think is an approach um I, i'd highly recommend um you know it's almost like yeah job the, the traditional job search activity maybe that's 10 percent of your time if you had 100 percent of time maybe 10 percent is looking on things and applying um the, at least 40 percent of it would be okay let's reactivate the network let's get in touch with a bunch of people let's have a chat with them uh talk about market talk about future talk about whatever it might be um uh, but then uh, things positive things will uh, emerge from that um i would actually go a little bit further and say uh, in fact let's let's put this out there to you guys what are your thoughts on having a public and a radical tr radically transparent approach to your job search um and i i'm suggesting this purely as a bit of marketing like i just think that if more people were aware of this is how you're approaching it there's just more eyeballs at you there's, there's a chance something might happen um so what are your so i'm just imagining again the way this is balancing but let's say i was someone foolish enough to employ me at some point and they wisely decided to make me redundant and and, and i had to go and uh, find a job i would totally do that as public as, as possible um you know i'd live stream every day i say you had 10 10 applications said zero response um i'd make a joke out of the rejections um you know i would i would try and just like just be very very public with everything so that everyone will know oh this dude's on the market looking um, because a lot of the time that's not obvious um what are your thoughts are on that is that a good idea or not or is that just you know um yeah that's just home being stupid uh, i i think it's a lot based on who you are i think it makes a lot of sense but you have to be comfortable with it so you're not like pretending to like use that strategy when it's not in line with who you are so i think from like a marketing perspective sure but it hopefully then it's in line with what you're comfortable with mm, yeah i, I think totally there's an it. element i think there's an element of like you've already been rejected from a company so um there's a there's an element of like not wanting to amplify that further by putting yourself out there and then being rejected further so yeah exactly it depends who you are and how resilient you are to rejection and seeing that as a you know part of an experience um but i think it can work for the for the right person but i wouldn't say i wouldn't recommend it to everyone <laughs> as a strategy all right i think i think we get a clear message uh, <laughs> uh we don't need to go around but but i get it however i would say some of these techniques could be adopted simply because visibility is a big part of the thing you need to try and achieve um like one of the worst things you can one of the bad things about doing applicant only application only approach is that there's not enough people that are aware that that's your current situation yes you may have published it once to say yes i'm I've, i'm on the market i'm looking um but the people will miss that message um so if you have to be very visible to say look yeah i'm on i'm on the market i'm looking boom make that obvious make it even interesting then i think you've got more chance of getting eyeballs towards you um okay we're gonna we're, we're over time folks gotta finish it here let's go around one more time just the last bit of advice to anybody who's going through this process right now including you octave because obviously you've got advice to give um uh, even uh, as you're through it yourself uh let's go around um Linnea, you go first one bit of advice for someone who uh, is either going through redundancy or maybe in future you know uh, this addresses people who are concerned about this so uh what would you say to that person don't do it alone find someone that you can do it with regardless if they're in the same situation or not but don't do it alone yep very very good advice make sure that you are in communion with others social isolation especially having been shocked out of a, a social network um that that you don't exacerbate that by just plowing a lonely furrow um okay go uh, go chris uh just take it one day at a time yep perfect yep it's not like a long don't look at the long tunnel it's like <laughs> every day is a new day um very very good life advice never mind sort of uh, uh recruiting advice um cat how about you uh, for me, it would be to try and reframe it as you, the role was made redundant, not you, and try to try to remember what you're good at and, and what you can offer. Yeah, really, really good advice. So separation of this idea that you are like 
your identity is this and it's a verdict on you no it isn't that job is gone um so it doesn't no one's going to do that you know it's, it's just not on you uh very important bit of uh, uh insight uh, and octa final word to you what advice would you give to someone in in the current situation you're in yeah um it's normal to feel what you feel go with it but find your north star find your direction once again Fantastic. And final word, Octav, in terms of the stuff that you're looking for right now, what is that job? What is the thing that would be, uh, if someone wants to reach out to you? Like... Bless, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm happy to to do what a company needs me to do, be it that as a lead, let's say, or a manager. But if they want someone to bring impact to the technical hiring, uh, I'm, here, I'm there to support them fantastic stuff okay well listen folks i thank you so much the panelists for your time and insight i think a really uh, interesting conversation we could continue this chat going forward but i think um you know we it's important we have this conversation it's the first time i've seen anybody talk it from like this perspective i hope other people will, will do more of this because i think it is useful and helpful um okay thank you so much linnea thank you so much octave thank you so much chris thank you so much cat um, you guys have a great weekend and I'll, I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. And everybody, thanks for watching. Um, I hope you've enjoyed, I uh, wouldn't say enjoyed, uh, but I hope you learned something from that conversation and got value from it. Um, if you are on the market and looking, by the way, um, you want to try and join Brain Food Talent Community, uh, uh, collective, sorry, I'm going to try and like expose and, and, and kind of highlight people who are currently on the market. Um, and make sure you are talking to other people in industry. The network is super important, folks. That's the thing that's going to be um uh think of it like a network it's a safety net um we need to uh build and make sure that that's uh that's going to be uh, there for us going forward so anyway good luck to everyone who's in that situation and uh, and uh, tune in uh, uh keep uh, sort of in touch with us as we go forward uh, have a good weekend everybody thanks for watching